Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. My name is Rodney Nabolsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and the Hall of Famer himself, Jim Donnan, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach. And the only reason you are tuned in on a Tuesday at noon, we appreciate it. It means a lot to us. If you would, go ahead and share this with your friends and family and even people you don't know. I don't care where you put it. Just uh, If you're on Facebook, hit the share button. If you're on uh, YouTube, hit the share button. And thanks to all our YouTube subscribers. We've now hit 29,000. We've had added 1,000 new subscribers in the last month. That is just fantastic. You folks are the greatest, and we appreciate everyone getting the word out. It doesn't cost you anything to be a subscriber to uh, YouTube, so we uh, appreciate that, and we hope we give you content that you enjoy. So uh, the Bulldogs are now 2-0. and uh, Coach Donnan, i got to get your take on this. Georgia wins 33-0. They've given up three points in two games. Everybody should be excited, but when the football team came off the field last Saturday after a 33-0 route, they weren't happy. Kirby wasn't happy. Stetson Bennett wasn't happy. Even the uh, uh, the fans were a little grumpy about it, but to me, I mean, thirty three nothing is great. But I guess it's just it's that kind of learned fear that we have that if something can go wrong, it will. So uh, let me get your thoughts on that Sanford game. We did the watch long show, but we need a nice recap from you if you would kind of tell us uh, your thoughts on the game. Well, you know, anytime you play a team like that, you worry about being content, you know, and not really uh, bearing down on little things. And it hurt us in the red zone. We had some uh, missed blocks and missed passes and all. But uh, overall, just to get out of the game with hopefully A.D. Mitchell is not hurt too bad, but get out of the game without anybody getting hurt. And uh, it's really a teaching moment for your team that you got to play smart football. And certainly around the country, we got three games that, this really signify that with Marshall winning. Uh, the fact that uh, Sunbelt had those games, you know, Appalachian State, and then all of a sudden uh, Georgia Southern, and then Texas scaring the heck out of uh, of uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. So, but from my perspective, uh, a lot of good young players, we got to see them showcase their talents. Uh, seems really like what we need to be thinking about for the future in a game like that, and we were able to roll our offensive line, and we didn't really go to our horses that much. I mean, Bowers, uh, you know, Washington, I mean, we spread it all around. Running game looked a little bit better, Milton in particular, and McIntosh didn't get that many uh, runs, but he did continues to get the small balls behind the line. Uh, eight for eight in pressure situations by Stetson Bennett when he was pressured. He had all eight of them. So I just think, uh, you know, the glass kind of half full for me. I mean, it's a lot more positive than it is negative, but certainly there were things that we can do better. But uh, at the same time, that you know, we're in a situation where we didn't get embarrassed by playing sloppily. We didn't turn the ball over. Uh, we haven't had a turnover in two games, knock on wood. So hopefully we'll continue Coach. that. What's that? You just jinxed them, I'm sure. Well, I'm not trying to jinx them, but hey, we've had enough turnovers. William Bryce, Quincy Carter's had enough to uh, last last our team forever. Uh, I remind you, uh, that, that just uh, they ran his own blitz and then had one kid from over in Washington intercepted three passes defensive end. It was or maybe two or three, but I don't want to harp on that. But that haunts me the rest of my life. But uh, the one thing that I will clarify that somebody has put out there that the night before the game that we stayed in uh, Augusta and, and Quincy left and went back to Atlanta. We've never stayed in Augusta on the South Carolina trip. We always stay right there in Columbia. And we got guards on the, the floors watching for the people coming in and out. And players certainly can't leave for sure because we got the guards there. Not that they'd want to, but uh, – Anybody thinks that happened, they got to be smoking something really bad. So uh, I just think I want to say that for public consumption there. No, that's fair. That's a good, that's a good point. Uh, I, I like you setting the record straight. There are a lot of, a lot of false narratives and lies about the uh, Georgia Bulldogs over the years, and especially revisionist history. Uh, one of the things that is being revised, Dane, I'll get your coach's take on this, Georgia's throwing the ball. Georgia's like, I think Dave McMahon pointed out that Georgia's like the number two in pass efficiency, and they're throwing the ball all over the place. A lot of people are questioning the fact that, you know, hey, well, where's Georgia's run game in these last two contests? And I'm like, well, you know, if you're 
Kenny McIntosh is your leading receiver, and the depth of the passes he's getting is about, what, four yards, five yards? Coach pointed out on the Watch Along show that that's kind of a run. Kirby Smart pointed it out uh, yesterday at his press conference saying that, look, we don't count, you know, a, a toss – uh, a little toss to the running back who's in front of the wide in front of the quarterback as a pass. It's a run play, and you guys pointed out in the film, don't lie. So, what are your thoughts on that? And then the coaches' thoughts and how that might might we see the traditional run game against South Carolina? Because you know against Sanford, people are like, why well, don't you just run it down their throats? I'm like, well, you're giving it to Kenny McIntosh and he's, and Kendall Mills picking up eight and a half yards a carry. I, I, I don't. I don't no, know. I mean, people, people, play. people have to bring things up and certainly you know, statistics are can be yes. misleading but um, you know like last year Bryce Young threw like 103 passes behind the line and completed like 101 and uh, you know he won the Heisman Trophy but that's part of their running game because uh, they like to throw the ball to behind the line of scrimmage we do too and uh, it's a, a good way to maybe run option football without the quarterback having to up to the end, you just throw it out on the perimeter, and you got in space, and you're making making a guy tackle in space. You got two blockers out there, sometimes three. But the biggest thing is, some teams can't tackle in space. And I think uh, deep down, I think avoiding running the ball helps you avoid getting people hurt in the game like that with a lot of big pileups and things like that. When you you don't need, you know, you can run it just throw it to the outside and do some of those things. I mean, it, it always – I told you over here at the watch long, it always worried me more about sometimes those games than, than a big game because you, you never goes like you think it's going to go and you can't get everybody in and you know you're going to win. And so, But this is an excellent team that we have. we got a good kicking game now, and I'm happy with our kicking game. We made five field goals, kicked off well, returned one, you know – pretty well so uh at this point i mean you can find a few nitpicking things wrong with our team but uh, i wouldn't trade our team for anybody particularly watching alabama's old line compared to ours i mean they got some real issues with the offensive line i think samford needs to get a lot of credit one because they were a really disciplined team that tackled well georgia played a, a solid football team that did its job and they had a good game plan against georgia and still lost 33 to nothing and struggled to make a first down. The thing that bothers me with the articles I'm seeing about, like, well, Georgia's run game, is there a problem there? It's the same freaking writers that wrote about when will Georgia's passing game join the 21st century? When, <laughs> when will they become an offense that just opens it up? And I'm like, you can't do this both ways and not just think that you're a pot stirrer trying to get people talking. So I, I do have true, a problem with true. that because I just think it's being a crappy media member. And so I hope that that goes away. Georgia's a good running team. Georgia's just a really good offense overall. And if, you know, 33-point win, if you complain about that and then see what Texas A&M is going through and what Nebraska is going through, then I've just got nothing for you because this is the pinnacle for Georgia. This is the well, highlight. It's the American way. I mean, it's it's the reason uh, you got around the uh, water cooler type stuff. People got to, uh, you know, can, you know, it's the number one thing. You go out and some people recognize me and they, that's what they ask me right away. What can – what can we do about this? What can, you know, whatever happens that wasn't exactly, you know, what you wanted in the game. But uh, our team practices hard. They know what to do. They're situationally based. They know how to – they're very disciplined. I thought that was good too. Just, you know, we had a couple penalties. But we continue to be a, a non-turnover team that really uh, plays good field position and – well, you just got to be excited when you see guys like uh, Williams and uh, Starks going out there to supplement your lineup uh, after losing all those first-round draft choices that everybody watched on Sunday. I mean, Walker and Davis and those guys, come on. It's, it's incredible what they're doing in the pros, and we're getting good pub on that too, saying that Georgia signee, the number one draft choice, all that. So doesn't hurt your recruiting. <clears throat> and another thing – our passing doesn't help our doesn't hurt our recruiting of receivers and quarterbacks either. And see us throwing the ball that much, it's going to help us. So uh, 
we're always going to get good backs. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I got distracted, Coach, when I was talking about some of those false narratives. One of them was the fact that Georgia is right now a lot of people looking at them, considering them a passing team. And I know if, uh, if uh, Matt Goblin, Elon Raper, uh, who else is in that recruiting office? Uh, well, Neil's director Bob's, but I know he, he's familiar with that. Uh, uh, Montgomery Van Gorder. All those people, the dog pound, all those folks, they're passing along all these passing stats to these wide receiver targets and these quarterback targets. And I said, hey, look, we were throwing the ball around a lot. If you're a running back right now and you saw that crazy day that DeAndre Swift had, you're like, well, George prepared him. You know, Nick Chubb, look, George prepared him. You're going to get those good backs. But that's another uh, narrative killer. And I think, Dan, it's good for you to point out that as soon as Georgia checks one box, the the narrative to what they can't do changes yet again. But, uh, Coach, I want to get your thoughts on this. We had can, uh, can I just interject one other thing? Oh, absolutely. You know, like that guy says, you play to win the game. <laughs> hey, let's, <laughs> let's just remember here, we're not driving an A-model Ford now. College football is a spread offense. You don't play the ball in a, in a, a ball game in a – telephone booth where you can see all 22 players bunched in there. You, you know, you if you're not <clears throat> doing those things offensively, you can't train your team to stop it either. So, you you know, we, we've, uh, we've got a modern offense. We're not spread. <clears throat> We're more pro, but we do a great job with the RPOs. We do a great job with the uh, action passes. you got a quarterback that is very mobile, and can do a lot of things, and uh, he's very smart too. So I think everybody should just enjoy this wide open stuff. I mean, I do. Uh, I coached Wishbone forever, and then when I got to Marshall, we, we had a passing quarterback. That's what we did. Do what your quarterback can do and what your players can do and what you think. <clears throat> you build everything about what you think can beat and win the, the conference championship. I don't think you can line up and run the ball and beat Alabama. I just don't think you can do it. No, well, and right. the other thing, Roddy, real fast, is that when Kirby Smart says after the game that he was disappointed in some parts of Georgia's performance, what he's saying is if we play other teams and don't put the ball in the end zone when we're in the red zone, that's going to become a problem for Georgia in those games later on down the line. He realizes that he's looking at the big picture. What I would tell fans that have those same worries is you're not getting paid $10 million a year to make sure that Georgia gets in the end zone. So maybe chill out and have a little fun with what this team is and let the guy that is do that. Here's I, do that. I go, I, I go back a, to my – Here's a silver lining on those on, – on kicking those field goals. Throughout fall camp, the number one thing people talked about was the, the fact that Pod Lesney was in a slump. He didn't kick well in scrimmages. He had trouble with uh, his different holder. Uh, we made an adjustment, put Bennett in there. But the guy, even though it's against uh, Sanford, he kicked five field goals. He's got to feel pretty dang good now. Now, in a tight game, now you got this. If you got to have it, this guy's got his uh, legs under him and so that's the silver lining there for that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Coach. That's uh, We can look at the silver lining. Uh, national national pundits, and I don't, hear, I don't hear them very often, but I was actually driving somewhere the other day, and they were talking about point spreads on this game and talking about all the upsets. And I apologize for not knowing who it was. I think it might have been Todd Blackledge of ESPN, but whoever it was said, you know, how, how does Georgia replace eight guys in the NFL draft and have a defense that's as good or better than last year's? I'm like, whoa, slow down. Granted, they have only given up 1.5 points per game, but it was Sanford and it was a Oregon team with its first coach. But I think you mentioned uh, Malachi Starks, and we had uh, Golden Boy on the board. Well, I was thinking if he mentioned this or – I'm sorry, it wasn't him. Somebody else asked him on the board. But he said – Paul Hornig's on the board. No, somebody else. He said, uh, Coach, Paul could you Hornig's a golden boy? <laughs> Can we get your th thoughts on Malachi Starks versus someone like Champ Bailey? Because they're just seeing a lot of that similar athleticism. I think that's a pretty high bar, but you know, what, what have you seen that was similar? Yeah, I mean, he's mature beyond his years, you know, a lot like Champ, Champ you come in here and and just step right in there. But different type of uh, motor from the standpoint, uh, Champ is a little faster and more of a corner type and a cover guy. 
Malachi, who probably could go out there, is, is more of a hammer and tong guy, uh, support the run, uh, can cover, but uh, very athletic. Uh, I don't know if he can score 36 points in an intramural basketball game like I saw Champ do, but uh, there's no question he, uh, he rates right up there athletically with most guys you'd like to have as a safety that I've seen here. I mean, he's uh, – he, he can cover too, and he, you know he, he can catch the ball. I mean, he's a good receiver. Uh, I could see us using him sometime uh, once he gets a little further along. We could probably, and we got him back there on kickoff returns on the second team. So he, he's a special kid. Roddy, I think you're still muted, and I can't unmute you, so that's an awkward spot. In no, sorry, podcast. I got it. No, no worries. Uh, <laughs> I wanted your thoughts on the uh, Sanford game, and your, I know you guys said the film don't lie. What kind of stuck out to you as we kind of wrap up uh, Georgia's win over Sanford? I mean, I'd mentioned just that, like, Sanford played a good game, and that was a really, I thought, decent little test for what Georgia's going to somewhat see against Mississippi State later in the year, and I'm super impressed with that Bulldogs team from Mississippi State. But the spread, let's get rid of the ball in three seconds, pass it a ton. State has better players than Sanford, obviously. But um, overall, that Georgia handled it well, and then you move on to, to South Carolina, the first road test. What else can you expect from Georgia at the beginning of the season? They look to me like the best team in college football, and the test will get a little bit harder. But overall, Georgia's passing them flying colors. Let me just warn people here at Mississippi State Bulldog team. You can say all you want to about their offense, which was good. The guy hit like 38 out of 42. They got a running game to go with it, but their defense is hammer and tall. I mean, they got a good-looking defensive football team. Uh, that's going to be a tough test for us going down there to Starkville. I would, I'll be surprised – if they don't knock off uh, a couple teams in the West that are pretty early, uh, watch out for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And remember, you saw it on the podcast here at twelve eighteen, just like I told you last week that it, that that what we we're going to see out of Sanford, no matter how we rushed them, they were going to get rid of the ball. I mean, that's their plan. They just got caught it and threw it, and as long as they didn't get it intercepted, they didn't care. But they weren't going to get sacked. Well, I'm asking hey, about and let stuff. me let me give a little around the league plug here because I this is a teaser. If Texas A&M they play Miami this week, if Texas A&M loses that, their next three games: Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama. Uh oh. Yeah. Hey, Coach, I'm going to get your thoughts on South Carolina. Will they do the same thing with Spencer Rattler? Will he catch and release, kind of like we saw, you know, in the last game against them? But I do want to get your thoughts on Kentucky because you're mentioning a team that Georgia's could face. It looks pretty good at Mississippi State. Kentucky went down there and beat Florida without, what, three different running backs? So, uh, real quick, give me your thoughts on Kentucky beating Florida. Hey, I was impressed with the way they handled the, the, the ebb and flow of the game. They got behind and had a bad snap and gave up a safety. Uh, and, you know, it looked like. Florida was in control, but they did a good job of, of containing Richardson, making him throw. Wide receivers are non-existent as far as catching the ball for them. And uh, their offense developed just enough running game to take the pressure off the level, uh, uh, you know, the wheel back there at quarterback. And, man, I'm just telling you, that Kentucky team played with a lot of confidence and got a good kicking game. They still seem to have some issues, uh, you know, uh, stopping the run. But at the same time, their schedule certainly sets up for them to, you know, be a four. I mean, they, they're going to be a nine or ten win team this year, maybe more than that. Well, just as long as one of those wins isn't over Georgia. That's all the folks watching this episode. Exactly. Will, uh, exactly. I mean, they, you know, when you look at it right now, <clears throat> from our standpoint, <clears throat> the Eastern Division of the SEC, we got three teams in the top 15, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, and, of course, Georgia, number one. Yeah, well, maybe a little hard road than some people thought, but again, that's the way every season goes. It kind of goes back and forth. But if you're looking for something that's very, very reliable, I want to point you over to our friends at Athens Ford. They take great care of their customers. They do a great job of service and beyond reliable. There's no, there's never any surprises over there. And they have a new thing that we talked about this on the watch along show. You know, 
check us out every Saturday before when the Georgia game comes along. But I want to mention something because I don't think I've mentioned it here last week. But they have a new van over there. It's a mobile service van. So basically, let's say I'm parked here at Classic City Eats where we happen to be doing this show. And I'm like, I need my oil changed or I'm having a I got a battery issue. or got something like that going on. Call them up or set it up, you know, set up ahead of time and actually have that mobile service van come to you change your oil help put in a new battery whatever you need done and you don't have to go drop uh, drop it off at athens Ford and get it worked on now if you do go out there they have a fantastic waiting room it's super clean it's ridiculously fast wi-fi they have snacks they have drinks they have starbucks coffee they have everything you want out there they take great care of you there but if you're just in a situation where you're kind of in a hurry or you're, it's just it's very inconvenient for you to get over there I know, like, my oil needs to be changed. It hasn't been changed in a very long time, and I'm probably going to ruin that score. But point being, if you need something like that, they had that mobile service van. And, of course, they, you know, we checked the last uh, last Saturday. They had, like, 246 cars. They've sold a bunch of those. They got new ones in. Like they move very fast over there. The, the turnover in their vehicles is constant. So check out AthensFord.com to see what they have on the lot. The minute they get it in, they take pictures, they put it up. And the minute it's sold, it's gone. You don't have to go look for a car and go, hey, where is it? Oh, it's not here. They're not going to do the old bait and switch on you where they say they got a ton of cars on the lot, and they actually don't. So check out our friends at Athens Ford. And also, uh, it's Tuesday. Uh, it's early. It's uh, 1223. You're trying to decide what you want to do for lunch, or you want to figure out something for next Saturday if you're trying to get pizza. This is what we did uh, last week, uh, last Saturday for the before the game. We actually had your pie. I ordered it on a Tuesday. I went on my app. And I went in and put the order for it to be picked up at 3 o'clock from a, lo- a location close to Coach Donnan's house. I went by, grabbed three pizzas for me, Dane, and Coach. I got double the points because I ordered it on Tuesday, paid for it on Tuesday, went by. They were perfect. The I, I said 3 o'clock. I walked in. They were still piping hot. They had just taken them out. So they hit the time on the nose with perfect pizza. We all had good food before we got on the show. They didn't hear my stomach rumbling throughout the entire uh, Georgia versus Sanford game. So hit them up on Tuesday, your pie, and get to set for either today or any other time during the week, but ideally today because it's double points Tuesday. Now, Coach, my question to you right before we went to that little commercial break was, what do you expect from this South Carolina team? Are we going to see Spencer Rattler catching and just throwing it away, or will Georgia be able to pressure him like Arkansas did? Uh, Arkansas had six sacks on him. I, I, Dash, uh, Anthony Dasher, UJSports.com, wrote his keys to the game today, and I had to send him a note going, wait, you said that uh, South Carolina had six sacks. Is that in both games or just last game? He's like, that was just against Arkansas. So uh, what are we going to see this Saturday? Yeah, I mean, their offensive line has had issues. I mean, both games, Georgia State rushed them. Uh, Rattler is a guy, is, even though he's fairly athletic, he's a pocket passer, and he'll hang in there. Sometimes he holds the ball too long. Uh, but he, he's got a really big arm. He can throw the ball deep, and this Wells guy can catch it. I mean, he get it, you know, had a hundred some yards receiving, and the kid passed for over three hundred yards. But most of it was just, you know, garbage yards there. You know, in the second half when they were down. But uh, you know, any way you look at it, uh, he's got an experience playing in the uh, Big Twelve, and uh, you know, he's a he's a solid quarterback. I've never thought he's very good against the rush. He has a tendency to bail out to the right and he has a tendency to throw the ball up the grabs. We can get to him. Uh, we got to get to him some, but you know, we, I'm sure they uh, don't continue to throw the ball underneath to their backs and tight ends. That's where they got a lot of damage against Arkansas, but um, their defenses uh, got some injuries. They lost to safety and a linebacker out for the year, unfortunately with ACLs in that game. And then, you know, they're, they're still not personnel-wise anything like what, you know, you expect uh, in the SEC. But they're playing with a lot of uh, passion, and Beamer's got them believing they're better than they are. And he had a couple big wins at the end of the season last year, even though they got, even though they got pummeled by Clemson. They did beat Auburn and Florida uh, at home and then uh, ended up beating North Carolina in the bowl game. But, I said I've never been high on Spencer Rattler just because of my Oklahoma ties watching. I think he's a guy that uh, can can make some plays, but you, you can get to him. Now he can hurt us, there's no question. But he's a lot like Bo Nix. But to me, Bo's more of a threat to run the ball, and uh, Bo uh, has had more success, I think, in, in certain areas. But 
you got to be careful about him, and I'm not going to bag on him too much, but I, I think we can get absolutely. Latest Vegas line is 24 points. Georgia the favorite on the road at noon. That's a lot of respect for the dogs, but I don't see any reason why that's not probably close to accurate. Yeah, you just never know. You know, they're going to be. I'd whole lot rather play them at 12 o'clock than like seven o'clock when all that sandstorm thing all those people get. But you know, they're going to be fired up. It's a very hot and humid place. But, uh, you know, we went down there two years ago after Muschamp was let go and uh, just pummeled them with our uh, offense. To, you know, really looked good in that game. Uh, uh, outstanding quarterback play by JT in that game. And I think we'll see more of that with us. Uh, they're they're going to have a hard time matching up with us on both lines of scrimmage. Uh, their D-line and, uh, against our O-line and then, of course, uh, their O line against our D line, so I think it'll be good. So if you're basically telling me Jalen Carter's going to eat, I think Jalen Carter will definitely get their attention, and they got to do something about him. But yeah. you know, we got guys. We haven't sacked quarterback that much, but I think we'll, we'll definitely get after this guy. And uh, you know, they're going to make some yards. We can't just shut down everybody. I mean, we get delusions here. Hey, we're going to shut everybody out. I mean. That's not going to happen. College football, uh, you know, last year they made a couple of nice marches on us and uh, hit some deep balls and uh, and were competitive. But uh, I, I just feel like we got to go take care of business and avoid losing. You know, you just remember the South Carolina game three years ago when we turned the ball over three times and they never got in the red zone and still beat us in overtime. And like I said, the game that I was over there with Quincy – and our team, we just we, – we stopped them cold, but we gave them five turnovers. I mean, you, you're not going to win again. And look, Alabama, 15 penalties. I mean, all those things can happen sometimes if, if you don't keep your focus. Uh, that makes a good point. Uh, going back to the Sanford game real quick, we mentioned that um, Kendall Milton had 85 yards on 10 carries, eight and a half yards a carry. And I guess if you start looking at what uh, Kenny McIntosh did, if you – Count for the way Kirby Smart does. He mentions, you know, that some of those runs or some of those passes to him counting their run game. Seems to me like this is the ideal time to just kind of bring out – you've been moving those offensive linemen around, Coach, win the time of possession, move the ball on the ground, maybe in that kind of traditional way of handing it off to big, you know, Kendall Milton. Because that was a guy, his first couple of runs against uh, Oregon looked a little timid. He got stronger as the game went on. He came out of the gate last week like a bull ready to yeah. go. And I'm just thinking, right. man – Right, Arkansas, Arkansas, like almost 300 yards rushing. Of course, KJ Jeff, KJ Jeff <laughs> was doing a lot of that. I mean, he's running predetermined quarterback read where he, I mean, the read was he just kept it, but he got those plays with uh, Bennett. But I, I don't think we'll see uh, a whole lot of him doing that unless you know they're just not taking him, not playing him at all. He, he'll take the obvious key, but. Our deal with him is protect him, and uh, he's done a great job of getting out of the trouble, although that, that one sack that he took the other day uh, certainly was not what you expect from him. But I guess he just didn't have anywhere to throw it away, and he's trying to run around. But uh, it was a good teaching lesson there. A lot of teaching lessons from that game. Uh, going back to – I mentioned the guy kind of, kind of eating on the uh, defensive line as well. Uh, what do you with, say? They basically send five different people to block Jalen Carter. What have you been thinking about Georgia's other defensive players? And I know that on defensive front, uh, I know Dane and Brent had a good thing at on Film Don't Lie about some of the young defensive talent that we're seeing over there. Michael Williams gets Georgia's first sack. Uh, Tyrion Ingham Dawkins is looking good. Uh, saw some we saw Zion Alexander kind of getting his Bear first Alexander. big play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody gets all jacked up. I mean about the younger guys and, and you should but there's a reason they're not playing most of the game so they're well tell me about know. everybody besides Jalen Carr because we talk about him every week so yeah, just kind of I mean, your thoughts I mean Bill Bill and uh, Smith are really good on the edge and then you got Michael I, I think Stackhouse continues to show me something as far as moving around and all and of course Ingram Dawkins has got good quickness and uh, I think our front is really there, and our, our linebackers did a lot better job underneath coverage, and we're tackling. 
Would they get three first downs? Is that what they got? It was like one and like regulation essentially before running, you know, fourth quarter clock. Most of it came fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. We were uh, we were solid on our open field tackling too. I mean, a lot of bubble screens and things like that. And uh, we practice against that hard. We do a good job with it. Well, Roddy, I'll tell you the thing that jumped out to me on tape is just the speed of some of these defensive linemen. And, you know, you know they have the power. You know they can play in the trenches. But seeing a Michael Williams be able to run out and try to make a tackle in the open field or to see a Chaz Chambliss back up and essentially on a play become an inside corner because that's just what it – it dictated what he had to do. Now he was just striking one thing. He wasn't covering downfield. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the versatility and speed that some of these edge guys have. It's pretty special, and not a lot of teams have that. Yeah, I mean, when he did, they essentially they play like Bullard does. They they they're a star. They got to move out there and play the flat. You saw Anderson do that a lot last year when he was still playing. So if the guy's got that kind of skill level, it really helps because. You don't know if the team's running or passing. You got a guy that can play the run really good. And if they do pass, he can play the short area. So that's a good guy to have. Well, I'm talking about some of the guys that are eating. I'm over here at Classic City Eats. So I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to just tease you a little bit with that Philly steak and cheese that they put out for me. Not and then the uh, Not fried, fried green tomatoes they got there. So if you get a chance, you want to swing out here. Look at the size of that Philly steak and cheese. That's as big as Dane's head. You know, we know that's gigantic. Yeah, that's, so. that's really, uh, that's really <laughs> in, incredible. Uh, yeah. So, uh, quite a popular place here for lunch over at Classic City. Just want to give them a shout out. Uh, Coach, you know, one uh, of the things I think that people don't take into effect about that place that Josh has out there now is that you can take your kids out there and they can go play all those games and you can sit down with your game or your family or whoever you want to and and really keep it keep them uh, they're fired up or if you want to go in there and get a golf simulator there's not a lot of places like that where you know family type atmosphere and you get, get good food too especially in Walkersville. and i want to let you guys know in two weeks he's going to have uh pizzas here he's got a pizza oven they've worked out their dough recipe they're going to make a lot of fantastic pizzas here. Uh, I think in about a week and a half, they're going to do a, a soft open for like friends and family. And then in two weeks, you should be able to come out here and just get a bunch of pizzas. So if you do bring the kids and like, oh, I want pizza. Well, you got them covered and you get some fantastic thin crust pizza. Uh, Coach, uh, let's talk real quick about the, the one, I guess the biggest question mark that came out of that uh, Sanford game that would have an effect on this Saturday's game was the uh, ankle issue with A.D. Mitchell. Coach Smart said that he's not you – know, yesterday said, hey, he's not going to practice today. I went on our board and told people, look, they don't have to have a decision anytime soon and told them this on Sunday. Look, they, you know, Monday's a walkthrough, a little bit rough, you know, more than a walkthrough, but they're not really slapping on the pads Monday and knocking each other down. But today they actually do a little bit more install. There's a little bit more hitting and stuff. And you start working on, you know, who's your number ones and stuff like that. So, well, give me your thoughts. Uh, not, not, I know you can't diagnose A.D. Mitchell from afar, but if for some – horrible reason he can't go or they decide to keep him out as a precautionary instance. What did you think of Georgia's other wide receivers and who might step into his spot? Well, first of all, we're playing against Sanford and they didn't want to take a chance if he could have come back in. I don't know if he could or not, but you really, if you think about uh, how hard it is when you stub your toe or hurt your ankle as, a, as an average person, and then you're talking about an athlete trying to compete on the level in the SEC against some really good corners, you better have your, your speed and quickness. So uh, I think they'll certainly look at him uh, hard this week and try to rehab him. And, and and if he can go, he'll go. If not, uh, you know, Jackson Meeks is the first guy that plays behind him, and he's number nine. He does a good job at Bell is a freshman that hasn't had a lot of experience, but he's really he, – he, he played extremely well in some scrimmages and it continues to – make plays in a game. He got a touchdown pass the other day. I don't see him moving uh, any other receiver over there because it, it's just a position that, you know, you could in certain positions basically condense your formations and play 12 personnel and put Browers out there as, as your guy. But uh, those three guys I would think would be the ones to look at being a single receiver. I know we have some other questions from the dog, Van Dane, but I want to mention a couple of our sponsors real quick. Uh, mention our friends over at Prime Shrimp. 
uh, Davis McCool just came on the board last Friday and told everybody, hey, look, if you guys want to just give us a review, those of you who have tried Prime Shrimp, you'll give us a review. We have a giveaway on UGASports.com. So, look, if you tried it, left a review, or if you're going to try it now, uh, leave a review, and they're going to give away a ton of shrimp. Uh, they're fantastic, peeled frozen shrimp that uh, to somebody at the dog vet. So, if you're watching this and you are a member of the dog vet and you haven't put in your uh, order or your uh, uh, review, then go ahead and get that done. It's pinned to the top of the board. If you've never tried it before, uh, go to primeshrimp.com, type in promo code UGA Sports, and you'll get twenty dollars off your first off, uh, first order. So. Uh, the reviews over there are legion. There's tons of them. People love them. And the thing is, uh, people say, like, what, what do you mean by prime shrimp? Okay, there's a company in New Orleans run by Davis McCool that you, they basically send you frozen shrimp. They peel it. They put sauce on it or put a sauce thing with it. They freeze it. They send it to you with dry ice so you don't have to worry about, you know, hey, I'm not there to get it. It comes in a uh, fantastic uh, insulated box. With the dry ice, you get home, and if you can cook boil-in-bag rice, we're basically boiling water, drop the bag in, wait for it to be done, you can cook prime shrimp. And you get basically shrimp alfredo, Cajun-style, seasoned shrimp, all their great flavors, uh, lemon and herb, my, one of the, uh, lemon and cracked pepper, uh, garlic and herb. My, that's the one I had the other day with uh, angel hair pasta. It is phenomenal. Try prime shrimp. You'll absolutely love it. And remember, use promo code UGA Sports get 20 bucks off. Also, I want to mention our friends over at Academia Brewing Company. Uh, last night, they had their uh, uh, bike night, and there were some uh, adorable bike riding uh, dogs over there. You got to check them out on their web, on their uh, Facebook page. They have new pizzas. I mean, a new uh, beers coming out all the time. They have the Death Ripper Hazy IPA. Uh, they're, uh, they have the Game uh, Game Bay beers back. Thanks with uh, in conjunction with Cutters Pub. Check out our friends at Academia Brewing Company. That's a great place to go uh, watch a game. Watch the Braves games, have fantastic beer, have fantastic food. They have the lounge on the inside. If the weather's not nice, you can sit in there with all those giant couches they have. If you go outside, like today, a perfect day to be out in that beer garden they have. There's always something going on over there. There's always either live music or comedy shows or uh, and antique cars on a Saturday or Sunday. And, of course, they have wine Wednesdays and trivia Tuesdays and their beer and biscuit brunch on Saturday and Sunday. Usually when people come to town, they go, hey, where do you want to go? I'm like, look, let's, here's something real easy. Meet me over at Academia Brewing Company. There's something for everybody there. So check them out when you get a shot. All right, let's set up some of those questions, Dane. Let's yeah, let's do it. I'm going to start with one from uh, Phil Rogers that submitted a few on Facebook, one of them being, Coach Donnan, how much would Georgia use three tight end sets on Saturday? Well, we haven't shown it yet. I don't know uh, if we're just holding it, but we certainly got it. Uh, we got Gilbert and Delp can get in there and play, uh, and we certainly got a good – I don't know how many tight ends we'll take because you know, we're down to – you can only take 70 for this trip, but – most of those guys on special teams too. I think we'll take four tight ends, but you know we could run some of it. Particularly if Mitchell's out, uh, we could run some thirteen. Question from Lifelong Dog at UGASports.com. He has two. First, uh, has anyone mentioned to Kirby Smart how scary it looks when Stetson Bennett and the other guys do the flying body jump celebration thing after a touchdown? <laughs> He's worried about the celebration, coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've seen some things happen, uh, like uh, over the years, people, you know, we saw that uh, Smith kid from uh, Terry's ACL from LSU jumping up like he, So uh, it's hard to tell him not to do it, but it, it worries you a little bit. But uh, most of these guys are pretty agile. Hopefully that won't happen. They need to invent a ground-based celebration, Dane. You know, the guys do the little hand things, you know, something like that. Something low to the ground. Hell, headbutts. Something to keep them. Because was, was it Stetson Bennett that kind of landed Brady, awkward? That's what Brady does. He goes over there after TV pass. I saw him go over there and give Evans a headbutt. So, yeah. it was very slight, though, because Giselle said, do not hurt your head, Tommy. <laughs> don't, don't damage that moneymaker face of his. 45. Yeah. I mean, he's the only quarterback in history in the NFL, 45 years old, to start a game. I hate him. Second question from Lifelong Dog is uh, he's impressed with Dylan Bell in his first look. He said the athleticism and tenacity reminded uh, him of Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, Do you think that's a good comparison? And what's the ceiling on a guy like Dylan Bell? 
Yeah, I mean, he's he looks a little bit like uh, Malcolm. I, I, he looks a little bit more sturdy than most wide receivers. I mean, he looks like a running back in a lot of areas. But uh, he's he's got that little something about him where he just got the ability to, to find space and, and get open and uh, use his body and his hands. He doesn't practice. And uh, some guys just have that it factor. I mean, I don't know how to just really say – exactly what the it factor is, but it, it's something that you just expect them to do it even though they haven't been coached as much. And, they, you know, it's not luck when you consistently get open, make the catch, and, and do what you're supposed to as a young freshman. So he's going to be called on now. We're going to have to get him. But I've been impressed the way Meeks is coming along too. Uh, uh, you know, we're getting some good, great coaching there by McClendon. And, of course, Coach uh, – Munkin works with receivers too, some. So these guys are well coached. And we got Garrett's and, uh, and uh, Blaylock in the wings too. So, I mean, we're, we're in pretty good shape there. And I, I was impressed with Marset the other day, just the way he looks and the way he moves. I, I like Denali Marset a lot, coach. I think he's really good. Dylan Bell, we've been talking about him. That was my guy before he got here. I said, look, stuff I'm hearing out of Texas, this kid's really good. And maybe it's just me, but he, something about him reminds me of Chris Conley. I don't, I don't know with their size comparisons, but just well, something about him. He, if he could test like Conley, he, he broke the whole uh, – <laughs> did everything. He broke every record at the dang uh, combine. I mean, he's just unreal. Yeah, through, through, through the roof. And, again, I don't know if they test like that. I don't know what size they are in comparisons. But I'm just saying, when you mentioned that it factor, the kind of way he came in, because Chris was not – really thought of this as going to be, you know, he, he wasn't the eight. I mean, George was glad to have him. They knew he was a four-star receiver, and but the fans weren't like, I can't wait to see Chris Conley on the field, kind of like they were about George Pickens. They just couldn't wait to see it, you know, chomping at the bit. And, well, you know, that was well-intentioned and well-waited for. But my thing is, you know, for a guy who was kind of a little under the radar, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, him too. That was kind of the thought we saw or the narrative we saw with Dylan Bell. Now he's turned some heads. Granted, it's, you know, he's not – Next year, year after, be his. But it was just kind of the same with Chris Conley. Chris Conley came in with that kind of it factor coach. You're like, wow, this guy just gets open and makes catches. And so I just, they, I'm saying, it reminds me of him basically from that that it factor that you mentioned. So, and Denali Marset, very good guy. And I hope we get to see um, uh, Justin Meeks do some stuff. He came out of the uh, when the team ran out. He's the one that opened up the big G banner. We got a great photo from Catherine Skeen about him. It's well, a great picture, and I'm like, man, that guy jumped like 19 feet in the air to do that. So let's see what he can do on some of those uh, uh, crossing routes. Let's see what he can do. This kid's athletic, you know. So he, I, he got they targeted him once, and I don't think he was quite there. But let's we'll give him a second chance, Kirby. Go, yeah. Give him that go route again. Hey, here's another thing: be be thankful for. You know, we had Arian Smith hurt, get hurt, and he had uh, some minor surgery, but. And everybody's talking about he's going to be gone for after Florida. Hey, this guy is on the mend here. Uh, he, I, I doubt he'll play any like this week or maybe next. But this guy's coming back quick, and boy, that'll help our deep threat. I mean, just what a speed merchant he is. Question from UGA Dog Guys says, I once asked Coach Don in this question via an Outback Bowl promotional contest when I was at UGA, and he answered it, which resulted in me having an Outback Bowl poster autographed by both him and Coach Joe Tiller of Purdue. It's framed and still hanging on my walls when I'm more prized UGA possessions. And I'd like to get Coach Don's updated response now with him in position to look back at his entire career and take stock. Coach Donnan, what were the two most memorable games that you coached whether it be at UGA or elsewhere. Well, I'm glad that I was not somebody that, that didn't do what he wanted to. That's good. I'm glad that he's got that. And Joe Tiller, although he's passed away, he's a good friend of mine. And that was a great win for us. But, you know, anytime you win the national championship, it's got to be right there. So we won the national championship in 85 at Oklahoma and 92 at Marshall. So those games. But at, at Georgia – the, the victory over Florida, we, you know, just kind of got our program cemented and got us going, and we started to really roll there until the last year. But uh, I, I would say that that was my biggest thrill here was beating Florida that year. Coach, if we were to do a get a copy of that, 
Can we do a watch along on that game? Maybe if we just do the second half. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you coward. Come on. Oh, Mike Bobo was throwing it to their team. I told him uh, well, we had some turn. <laughs> we, we were going so good. We had so many things working, but we kept yeah, going. See, that sets yeah. up this great second half. But I'd like because I, yeah, I I've, I've seen, I mean, I've anybody seen anybody you call. Wanted, if anybody I wanted think, to do it, we could do it. But it's uh, we, we really got after them. And I, I tell you, our line did such a good job of, you're not supposed to be able to run to the split inside uh, because of five technique has got you leverage. He's outside, but our tackles all Chris Terry, just fantastic job of snatching that five technique and Matt Stinchcomb did a good job too. And we, we were able to get the ball outside to the split inside and then Heinz Ward just wore out their corners. I mean, he beat them up to a pulp blocking it, which Robert Edwards, three touchdowns and, uh, Landis Gary came in there, but the biggest play of the game to me was when we hit that post to uh, Allen when they, they weren't thinking Bobo was going to throw it deep. And set, when they started making a comeback and we hit that post over the top, that was huge. Could you remember the play calls? Uh, and that we, game, that, yeah. that, 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 game, that game was, uh, of course I could remember them. Is that a rhetorical question? Now, some somebody actually asked me, like, you know, yeah, if y'all did a watch long with that, I said, Look. I remember every play we ever called anywhere, especially if you watch. That's my. That's what I was trying to get to because I've, uh, I've ridden the car with you, and you remember every freaking play call. I can't remember, you know, what I had for breakfast. I remember one we called Jasper Saints, and uh, <laughs> you know, we we didn't kick the field goal then because we had missed one inside the twenty the week before against Mississippi. And uh, we just ran one more play and probably shouldn't have. But uh, that's that's neither here nor there. But let's go on to something else. People don't want to hear about the old coach. <laughs> From do. red and black in the day, uh, Notre Dame and Texas A&M losing to lower-tier unranked teams this week. Does that support or discredit a 12-team playoff? He says the pro is that it proves that you can't rely on pundits to accurately rank teams. This is the con is that there's usually not more than two or three teams worthy of playing for a title anyway. Well, I mean, you, you, you know, the, the, the thing that they're going to propose, which I like, you're going to have six automatic qualifiers. I mean, you, you're going to win your your conference and you're going to get an automatic. And then you're going to have six at large that they come from teams that do a good enough job to deserve that. So there's not going to be, you know, project who's coming. You're going to have to do it on the field. And there's a lot of – I mean, like, let's just go back to the year Auburn – didn't get to play for the national championship when they were undefeated. I mean, they were certainly qualified, you know, from that situation. Same thing with, uh, you know, the year we were trying to lobby to get in there a couple of years ago and we didn't get in. But uh, it, it's just 12 teams just make a lot more sense. It's going to be good for all the other sports because of the money you bring in. And uh, I think it's all going to play out. I mean, it's just hard to project and say blah, blah, blah. But it's hard to win every game. So if you lose more than one game, it's going to be hard to get in there. But uh, I, I think losing one, you still got a chance in the 12-team playoff. I agree 100%. This question from Steel Dogs says, uh, I love Coach Donnan, and I look forward to all these live shows and podcasts. I hope that they never stop. You guys are quite the team. Uh, Coach Donnan, of all the players that you've coached, who is most like or who reminds you most of Stetson Bennett? Ooh, good question. Well, I'm, yeah. glad, he, I'm glad he likes me because I'm sure there's people not watching it because they don't. Um, uh, I enjoy doing this. And, you know, I got plenty of time on my hands, and we like to talk about it. Kirby Smart and back him. That's my number one goal. He's my boy, uh, our boy, and I want to back him. And if people find fault with him, that's okay. I'm going to back him. But as far as a quarterback that most emulates him, I had a guy at Mark, at, uh, at uh, Missouri named Marlon Adler, who was uh, from was a walk-on quarterback. That was we got him to punt because he was a good punter, and our second-team quarterback got hurt, so we started working Marlon in, and he was very quick, and uh, we called him Mister Touchdown because we get on the goal line, we put him in, we'd run thirty-six and thirty-seven where we'd run the roll quarterback uh, 
option where he'd roll and fake to the fullback and we'd block the kid guy and he'd want it. We call him, he'd run it in. And then he, so we ended up being the freshman of the year in the uh, uh, big, big 12 conference or back then big eight and uh, had a good career. He's very similar, got a big arm, could uh, make people miss him. And today he's a radiologist in uh, down there in Cape Canaveral. He's got four boys. Uh, one of them's going to be a doctor here pretty soon, graduate from uh, University of Florida. Got another one playing baseball for uh, Wake Forest. He keeps me up on these boys and tells me all about it. But uh, very proud of Marlon. Very much like Stetson, a walk-on guy. He made it big at Missouri and helped us win. And uh, now it's just a tremendous guy with an uh, unbelievable family. That's awesome. Hey, Coach, if I want to talk to some of our friends who, you know, who don't have as good of prospects as his sons do. I'm going to talk to the people who are actually maybe looking for a new job or looking for a new career real quick. Uh, let's say you've thought about going into business on your own and maybe keeping the job you have and having a, a side gig or you just want to change what you're doing or you're tired of the corporate rat race. I want you to hit up a friend of ours. Okay, His name's Addy, Andy Ludecki. He runs MyPerfectFranchise.net. Okay. Uh, we'll try to get the link in those descriptions there. I need everybody to go to MyPerfectFranchise.net. And it's, it's not, he's not basically tell you, hey, open up a Arby's or open up a, you know, a Chick-fil-A, although it'd be nice. Point being, there are 3,000 different franchise options out there. There's a million, they go across a ton of different industries. So point being, what does, what does Andy's job, what does he do? He doesn't try to sell you on a franchise. He basically asks you a bunch of questions. He doesn't charge anything. And he says, what do you want to do? What, what are your goals? And then he basically understands all these different franchises and he kind of directs you to the right one. Now, he's been a, a, subscri I mean, a subscriber and advertiser at UGASports.com for quite some time. And he's got a lot of people on the dog bent into new careers. So there are a bunch of people who are very, very happy because they reached out to Andy. So it's not going to hurt you. It doesn't cost you anything. But go to myperfectfranchise.net. It's just like their previous uh, questioner, uh, viewer, say likes the show. Do me a favor, go by myperfectfranchise.net, check it out, send a little note to Andy, say, hey, you know, I'm interested in what you got to say, you know. So basically he's uh, kind of like a guidance counselor, a career counselor. He's going to say, look, if this is what, if you want something completely new, here. Or this is what you know how to do, go here. And just look into him. He's not going to charge you anything. He's a great guy. And he's done this for all tons of people on the uh, Orange Blood site, our Texas site, which is a giant site. He's... He's helped a ton of people. So when you get a shot, check out uh, MyPerfectFranchise.com. And also, uh, we always talk about the, uh, our friends over at uh, Dead Soxy. They make these great socks. And we always tell you about the Georgia socks. Well, if you're going to a new business interview and you want to look good, they also make dress socks. They make some very nice ones, super comfy. So basically, if you're going to be on your feet or in a boardroom or something like that, you're gonna, uh, you need to be comfortable. You don't want to be sitting there constantly pulling your socks up when you're trying to impress somebody. Check out the dress socks, you know, wear them to church, wear them to business meetings, wherever you need to, at deadsoxy.com. They're always running a promo. You can use ugsports.com to get 25% off. So go over there and you see the prices. Go, well, I can get it for 25% off. Uh, hundreds upon hundreds of reviews. Almost every one of them is a five-star review. And I think there's maybe like one or two that are only four-star. So uh, tons of our readers have tried them and they rave about them. Same with our Ole Miss site, our Alabama site, our Tennessee site, our uh, South Carolina site. Everybody loves the Dead Soxy socks. When you get a chance, try them out as well. Right, Dan, let's and let's get back to some questions from UGASports.com. Uh, and I have lost that tab, so that's why you hear me filibuster. Here we go. I have it. Um, this is a very fundamental and basic question, but I thought it was a good one. Bucket. 3075 asks, who makes in-game calls on when players are subbed in and out of the game? Well, you make uh, on Saturday morning, you have a substitution meeting, uh, for, first of all, for your special teams, and make sure that who, let's just say Dan Young's the right tackle, who's going in for him if something happens, you go over all that, and that all of that goes through uh, where Kirby hears it, and if it's something he doesn't like, he would say it, but most of the time, you you know, the subbing for the punt team is handled by Hartley, the kickoff team by somebody, blah, blah, blah. And then 
as far as the personnel on the on the offense and defense, the the offensive staff would go over if we're in this situation, you know, uh, and this guy goes out, we want this guy in, or we'll say, hey, we're gonna let these guys roll a little bit. But it's all talked about beforehand. You just don't have that authority as a receiver coach or offensive line coach or tight end coach just run them in and out without talking about it. But once that authority is established, you can't be thinking about it calling plays. But play-wise, you call play sometime and you put a tag on it. Let's just say we won't run 787 Dane, and that means that Dane's going to go in to run that seven round. Or 964 uh, Roddy, and Roddy's going to go in there and run the six. I mean, they're tagged for certain personnel. Defensive packages, you have the first line guys, and then, you know, we roll a lot of defensive linemen that are just based on if they earn the right to do it, then it's up to Scott to put them in and out. He's a line coach, and then same way with the linebackers and same way with the secondary. But, you know, that's who, who makes the calls. Ultimately, is Kirby, but it's all based on the week they've talked about it, and it's set like that. There's no surprise, like, what the heck's he doing in there? I don't want – you know, you don't ever want to do that on a head coach. Now You're never, never going to pull that move. Not Pine, Tree, Pine Tree 1 asks, who is the current sixth offensive lineman, to which I'm going to reject the premise because that's just not how it works with offensive line. He asked if it's Amarius Mims. Well, Amarius Mims is the second right tackle. But a lot of things can shift around. He's the third. And, he's the third tackle, so he can he can play right tackle. And if if something happened to Jones, McClendon would go to left, and he would be the right. So he's listed. He's basically the third tackle, right? Then Willock is the next guard at, to come in, and then uh, Erickson's the next center, and Erickson's probably the next guard after Willock. I get his point because we always hear, like, who are your top five or six? So, And Pine Tree is a, a great poster on our board, does a lot of stuff. So I, I, so I use the same terminology a lot of times. So I'm like, you need your best five or six out there. And I think that sixth guy comes in, especially considering the fact that sometimes Georgia moves, like last year, they'd move a tackle inside when they needed a new one. So they pull the guards like, hey, we need, you know, let's bring – let's move uh, Jamari Sawyer inside to play guard. We're going to pull our guard and bring in Roderick Jones. So he seemed to be that sixth guy last time when they needed somebody. But Coach, I mean, of course you nailed it when it's like, hey, we're going to bring in a different guard, we're bringing in a different center. They're going in. So I get his point, but um, – Yeah, here's the thing, too. Trust can move out to tackle. He's had experience playing tackle. That's a good point. Yeah, those guys move out, yeah. Uh, you just don't know the, the ins and outs of the way Searles and, and Monk can feel about if we had a situation. But I would think – among Mims and Willock would be two guys we'd want to work some way around if something happened to any of those first five. Good point. Good question, Patrick. P-Tech 1 asks, will Georgia ever stop rotating the offensive line? Seems like there'd be more consistency if you had five gel as a unit. Yeah, I think uh, I think down the road probably you're going to do that. But we got two guys that are so close that in trust and uh, – Willock and also Mims is so good that it's okay to rotate receivers. It's okay to rotate defensive line. Rotate defensive line. It's okay to rotate running backs. It's okay to put a guy in if he's deserving of it. Let the other guy rest. I think cohesion is one thing, but you got to understand that he makes a good point. These guys work good together, and they do a lot of that in practice. So we have some fresh guys going in there. I like that. Uh, from Blocker 57, who uh, I should also give a plug for our friends at Athens, Georgia Weather, who Blocker 57 has been helping mentor. Uh, so that's the atmospheric science program at Georgia. Right after this, I'll be uploading their latest forecast uh, for Georgia's next game against South Carolina. So you can see that on our YouTube page a little bit later on. Blocker 57's question for Coach Don, and he says, I see that Prather Hudson is back as a graduate assistant. What's it like to be at GA at Georgia these days? Well, I can't say specifically anymore but it's a very tough job because you you have to take six hours of graduate study to be able to be one of these coaches so and then the coaches really don't consider that 
they're getting you to do all this stuff and you, you got to go to class, but you also got to do all this work. Uh, we got analysts that break stuff down, but there's cards that have to be made for practice. So let's just say we're doing a seven, I mean, a, a run, inside running drill. So you got to run to put the scout cards of what the other team, how they run the play and show it to the uh, offensive line and everybody else. And then conversely, uh, you got to do the same thing on when you're an offensive GA. You've got to set up the defense with the cards. So they, I'd say card drawing is one of the number one things they do. Also, making sure personnel is where they're supposed to be in practice. It's a logistical nightmare way our fields are set up. Hopefully, we'll get, be able to get that track field eventually where you got the fields side by side. But you know, you got people moving back and forth, so you got GAs assigned to that. Very difficult job, but at the same time, it's the best way to get in coaching. I mean, you got a chance to say you work for Coach Smart, and you know, there's a lot of our GAs that move on to different places and to get good jobs. Yeah, Blocker 57 coming back, I'm thinking. Wants to be a GA. From, from Pierce Outlaw, UGA hasn't run a lot of blitz packages, or at least as many as they did last year at this point. Is that a matter of new personnel, scheming for specific opponents, or holding back those packages for later? Well, we got them. We didn't need them against Oregon. We got ahead, and we didn't. We were worried about the guys scrambling. And once you go blitz, you're playing man coverage, so you're giving the chance for them to hit a big one on you. Then against uh, the Sanford Bulldogs, we wanted to play underneath coverage against that catch and throw stuff, so it wasn't really an advantage in blitzing. But I can guarantee you, we'll come off the bus with some blitzes against South Carolina. We're going to be bringing <laughs> We're going to be bringing I can promise you that. Uh, and the final question from the dog vent on this week's episode of UGA Sports Live. This is kind of a funny one to me. Bush Dog asks, do the UGA coaches watch the weekly SEC shorts videos? Uh, we actually interviewed Josh Schneed and uh, Robert. I'm forgetting his last name. So if you go back on our YouTube page, you can l- learn more about how SEC shorts is created. But they do a good job every week making fun of the SEC. I don't think it's a routine in the schedule. Okay, we got to watch the SEC shorts, but – you know, all of a sudden, if if it's a laughing giggle time and you finished all your work and everything, and somebody says, "Hey, check this part out," you might do that, or somebody sends you a video. Like, uh, people should go on loop. On, on, I feel sorry for Freeman at uh, at, at the uh, Notre Dame, but th- there's a guy on Pat McAfee show that, inter- that pretended he was Lou Holtz and wrote a letter to uh, to a uh, coach. And, it, and the guy sounds exactly like Lou Holtz, and it's funny. Watch it on YouTube. But uh, coaches like to laugh too. I mean, Friday and Saturday, Thursday and Friday, the haze of the barn, and sometimes you relax a little bit. But you're really not into like, uh, watching SEC shorts and things like that. Hey, don't forget, we had Hope come by uh, right before the national championship game, and she uh, had a. Uh, a message to the UGA sports fans. So if you're also on that YouTube page, you can check out the message she had. Explain uh, to them one thing, which I think I was trying to tell these guys I play tennis. If if they hit the subscribe button on the YouTube, that means anything that UGA sports live is doing will come up on their phone. Is that right? Yes, sir. Basically it just gives you notification when we, and I almost wish it said, I almost wish it would say just follow because a lot of people, they hear subscribe to our YouTube channel and they think, oh, I got to pay for that. And then there are YouTube uh, channels where you do have to pay for extra content. And we may do that later on with some, you know, behind the scenes stuff. But right now, just basically, if you hit subscribe to our YouTube channel for everybody that's watching it right now, it's just like hitting follow on Facebook. It basically lets you know when we go live. So if you're like, hey, I can't I keep remember when you guys are live or I missed your show. I want to watch it as it happened. If you actually hit that subscribe button and hit the little uh, notification bell, and uh, it'll let you know when we are live. So if you forget that it's Tuesday at noon, or for some reason we have to move the show because you know Dane's hungover or something like that, then we, then we move it to that evening, and you'll get a notification that night that uh, we're back on. So uh, hit that subscribe button, and thanks. There so are much. different layers of notification settings, so people yes. can kind of adjust it to how you want. Right, so you if you don't want notifications, you won't get them. But it, it, it helps us a lot because when we put up new stuff, uh, YouTube 
we'll recommend it to other dog fans if we have a lot of subscribers and if we have a lot of people comment and if we have a lot of people like it. So if you like this uh, show and you hit the like button, it helps recommend it to other people. A show with five likes doesn't get recommended. A show with 500 likes does. So we need as many likes from you people as possible. And again, if we have 30,000 subscribers, which is our next goal, uh, you know, versus a, a, a page that has three subscribers, we will also be recommended. So we're trying to work the algorithm to get the, sh the show out as far as possible. So even coaches, uh, tennis buddies could hit subscribe and then that, they'll know that, hey, coach, we need to wrap the show because you got to go. Uh, your boys are live. So we got to wrap up this uh, set here. Let you let you get back to the house. I'm not. I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm just saying in the future, we'll let you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Coach wraps up the set pretty early. He usually wins oh, yeah. about six one or six two. All right. Well, we appreciate all the questions, and uh, I would just so. I, I, I just feel like that our team is mature enough to handle being a big favorite, and the way we practice and the way we prepare, and there's so much history of Mike Bobo talking to the team about when he went in there of. Kirby Smart, of Will Muschamp actually being the South Carolina coach. I mean, there's a lot of uh, backdoor talking going on over there. I promise you that. So uh, we'll be ready. Love it. I should, folks, uh, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Really appreciate everybody tuning in. Thank you for sharing it. Those of you that did, it means a lot to us. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Of course, I'm here at uh, Classic City Eats. I'm about to dive into this giant sandwich here. I want to mention our friends at uh, Athens Ford, of course. Your Pie, Drew and Natalie French, thank you so much. Uh, Matt Casey at Academia. Uh, uh, Jason and the folks at Dead Soxie. Of course, uh, Prime Shrimp, that giveaway is still going on. And, of course, Andy over at My Perfect Franchise. Hit them up and uh, shout out to all of them for sponsoring the show and making it work. We cannot do it without them. and They mean the world to us, as do all of our viewers. And speaking of, uh, we will be back next Tuesday for your viewing pleasure at noon. We'll talk about the Georgia-South Carolina game and look ahead to Kent State. Y'all take care, and we'll see you next week.